Hi everybody, it's Barry here again from Turning the Page. Good to see you. I can't see you. <laughs> but good to be with you again um, for another uh, sharing of what I've written this week. And this week is about emotional pain. Hmm. Probably another topic that we like to talk about, but it's something that we we all experience from time to time. And sometimes... It's a feeling that seems to just hang around for a long time, may never leave for some of us. But um, each week I get probably two or three emails from somebody somewhere in the world who has responded to my blog post, uh, God, I Want to Die. And they send me an email. <coughs> they want help. Um, they want me to pray or offer suggestions. But most of all, I believe they actually just want to uh, connect and um, know that there is someone somewhere who um, they can share their struggle with. I get about two emails a week, maybe maybe more, uh, from someone in that dark valley. And I'm glad they've reached out and I email them back and I say that I'm praying for them. Uh, sometimes I get a response, mostly I don't. Um, for some, this dark place is like a brief moment of pain and in the morning the darkness clears and they sort of resume the journey. But for others, that dark valley is uh, more like home and the memories and the traumas sit with them and talk about the old times. <laughs> And what happened, why, and how it's all hopeless, and there's only despair. And I've found that there's actually um, not much I can do for them, but I can be for them. And the pain, you see, the pain of others makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? It triggers our pain points. Our shadows of guilt, shame, betrayal, loss, disappointment, despair. And all these ghosts... Uh, that still haunt and taunt us. Um, sitting with a fellow pain bearer can catapult us into our own dark valley. Um, pain is pain. Their pain is their pain. It can't be objectively measured on some sort of painometer, and it can't be precisely compared to another's pain. It's their pain and it's their journey. But what if we helped each other uh, to embrace the pain, to not try and avoid it or run from it, but to look at it and see see it for what it is. You see, pain is the price for being human. A robot doesn't have pain. <laughs> Puppets don't have pain. Machines, we are not. We are human beings created out of a godlike image. And that means actually God knows pain. And that could be quite a new concept. For some, some of you, God knows pain. Now, pain means we are alive. Alive to knowing both dark valleys and high mountaintops. Pain is a cross we carry. And Thomas Keating said that the cross Jesus asked us to carry is yourself. It's all the pain inflicted on you in the past and all the pain you've inflicted on others. It's a pretty powerful quote, isn't it? But I wonder what might happen in us if, instead of running from the pain, we learn to embrace it. Hmm, kind of hug it. 
and hug that cross we are carrying even tighter. Not in a masochistic type of way of continually beating ourselves up, but more in a way of looking at it for what it can teach us. Um, what is the invite Christ is calling us to learn? Uh, I currently attend a, an Anglican church called St Andrews. And at the rear of the church is this large stained glass window. And it's a depiction of Revelation 3.20. And here's the verse. And those whom I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Revelation 3.20. So the, picture, the stained glass pictures of, is... I suppose quite a famous one, but it's been adapted for a stained glass window, uh, of Christ. And in this particular picture, Christ has a crown, and he's got a golden robe, and he's got a, a lamp in his left hand, and he's reached up with his right hand, he's knocking on the door. And uh, he's, his eyes are looking actually um, towards the person looking at the glass window. Uh, as if to say, I'm here, uh, I'm knocking on this particular door now, sort of thing. But I, I looked at this window and I noticed a few things. One is that Christ is knocking. He he wants entry, but he's not forcing it. He's not battering the door down. He's not forcing it, he's just knocking gently. Uh, the next thing is that the door, like most doors, is hinged on the inside. Uh, the person on the inside has to open. Um, the next one is that there is a lamp in Christ's left hand Jesus, the light of the world wants to bring light into the dark space and that there is a kingly fashion to this image of Christ he is crowned, robed, glorious and there seems to be a compassion in his eyes compassion for me I think um, compassion for the world the door is overgrown with uh, vines <clears throat> and as a gardener I know what vines can do and they can just lock things up and hide things but this door is overgrown with vines it hasn't been open for a while but Jesus knows where the door is <laughs> you see I have pain but I um, I have Christ wanting to come and sit with me to eat with me not not to necessarily remove the pain but to quietly commune and connect with my my um, fallen world experiences, where I've been, where I'm in pain. And in verse nineteen, before the image of Jesus knocking at the door, there is an invitation to repent. Now, repentance in the original language of the Greek is metanoia, which means to change one's mind or purpose. <coughs> The word repent to me can be a very loaded uh, term and it's often been trotted out, you have to repent, <laughs> um, you know, get your life right. It's very harsh. Um, and I remember it being trotted out as a manipulative tool to open my heart to Christ. It was said and conveyed with such emotional energy that guilt and shame were triggered. I better do this or else. Now, I now see the word repent as more of a delightful option to course direct. <laughs> I've been going one way, and Christ says, I need to adjust my course direction. 
uh, to change my mind and purpose. And if I'm truly honest, uh, I am in a constant state of repentance, <laughs> course correction. You know, a change requires me to turn from a self-driven pain relief options to opening the door and asking the Christ to eat with my sorrows. And he brings light to dark places and, and a way through. He helps me course correct. There, there is a beautiful song we used to sing back in the 70s, a long time ago, called The Servant Song. And there is a line, I think, that was particularly written for um, people who want to help people in pain. It's this, I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. I have shared that verse with many, many people. And there, look, there is a moment when you can't hold your own hope. Uh, you need someone else to come as Christ and hold some light for you. To sit and uh, shiva with the pain of Job. And if you remember the story of Job, he had three friends. They came and they sat with him for, for seven days. And they didn't say a thing. They just sat there. And we often need people who can just sit there and be with us and hold the Christ light for us. Um, we don't need people to come and faz us, which is fix, advise, save, or set one straight. When I was pastoring in church life, I would sadly come across people who stubbornly refused to embrace the pain that uh, they were in, um, living in a fallen world. Instead, they would run and hide from it. They would self-medicate, self-harm. Uh, then there would be those who would bury it and try and stuff it down. But it would, it would always re-emerge somewhere else in some way. Resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, deception, uh, depression, control. It will be transmitted, as Richard Raw would say. He says that if we do not transform our pain, we will also, we most assuredly transmit it usually to those closest to us, our family, our neighbours, our co-workers, and invariably the most vulnerable, our children. Perhaps uh, they have decided that their pain was too big for anyone to help them with it. Um, maybe they considered it too insignificant to be considered important to share. But I believe that as we learn that course, learn that course correction is expected and embracing the pain is normal, then perhaps we will find the Christ of the light of Christ opening up to us. We see the comfort of a good shepherd, rod and staff, leading us through and out. If you remember Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look, repentance can be a sweet delight of cause correction. I know, I know the fullness of pain and turning oneself to open and, wor the wor and welcoming arms of a Christ embrace. Here's some quotes for you to consider. Owning our story can be hard, but not as nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy. The experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. 
Renee Brown. The men and women who are truly filled with light are those who have gazed deeply into the darkness of their own imperfect existence. Brandon Manning. Despair is what happens when there is a lack of new creation, when things are just what they are, and there is a deep sense of impotence that there is nothing you can do about it. Rob Bell. Despair is a spiritual condition. Despair is when you fall under the belief and conviction that tomorrow will simply be the repeat of today. Rob Bell. And here's an interesting quote from C.S. Lewis. Out of the wound we pluck the shrapnel, thorns we squeeze out of the hand, even poison forth we suck, and after pain we ease. But images that grow within the soul have life, like cancer often cut. Live on below the deepest of the knife, waiting their time to shoot at some defenceless hour. Their poison unimpaired at the heart's rot, and like a golden shower, unanswerably sweet, bright with returning guilt, fatally in moments' time, defeat our brazen towers long built, and all our former pain and all our surgeon's care is lost in all the unbearable in vain bunts in vain born once is still to bear. And here's a, a favourite quote of mine from um, Miroslav Bolt. It's about embracing. An embrace involves always a double movement of opening and closing. I open my arms to create space in myself for the other. The open arms are a sign of discontent at being myself only and of a desire to include the other. They are an invitation to the other's come in and feel at home with me, to belong to me. In an embrace, I also close my arms around the others, not tightly as so as to crush and assimilate them forcefully into myself, for that would not be an embrace, but a concealed power act of exclusion, but gently so as to not, so as to tell them that I do not want them to be, to be without them in their otherness. I want them in their openness. I want them to remain independent and true to their genuine selves, to maintain their identity, and as such, become part of me, so that they can enrich me with what they have and I do not. Here's some uh, questions. What is your emotional response to hearing the word repent? 2. Embracing the pain seems such a countercultural activity to do. What are your go-to pain avoidance strategies? 3. What would Christ say to you about the pain load you are carrying? Hey, I hope you have found this interesting and helpful. Perhaps you'd like to email me and um, share your thoughts on this topic. It's barry at turningthepage.co.nz And just a big thank you to those people who um, support Turning the Page. Um, if you'd like to be one of those wonderful people, uh, turningthepage.co.nz forward slash support okay until next week god bless you and grace and peace and love to you bye